All right, ladies and gentlemen, today is August 31st, and today we're going to be talking about the French Revolution. This is mostly for my world history students. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast to help me out, to help you out, to help me get better so I can help you, because I'm still trying to get the hang of this. I've been doing this less than a month. We have almost 400 different plays uh, out there in that time, which I think is pretty good, considering my audience is only designed to be about 120 people. So thank you to everybody who is listening. Make sure we reach out and keep doing this. Let me know what I can do to help you. So today, as we talk about the French Revolution, we're, we have to start with what did it look like? So the old way in which the French worked is basically society was broken up into three different people, three different estates, they called it. And the first estate that they had was the clergy, and it's the people who ran the church. And as they ran the church, they kind of picked up extra money, and they became super rich and kind of took advantage of the entire situation. The second estate is the nobility, and that is people who, again, their father, their mother, their whatever— was somebody of importance, so they passed that title on down to them. They didn't necessarily earn anything, but they owned land. So the first two get to own land, and then that brings a third estate, which is anywhere from the middle class to the peasantry. This is a group called the bourgeoisie, or the middle class. They could be rich, but they couldn't own land usually. They could be rural peasants, but they were all thought of as the same. It wasn't broken up into a class system almost like we have here in the United States. It was broken up with this is what you're born into. This is what you'll die into. There is no changing the way you have it. Obviously, the third estate pretty much hated everybody in the first and second estate. And there is this growing tension between all of it. Why does this come into play? Well, it's pretty simple. In the late 1700s, the France decided they were going to do this thing that actually we unfortunately still do today. And it's called deficit spending. And what that means is we spend money that we don't have and say, don't worry about it. We'll basically make up, we'll basically make up for it later. It's not a big deal. Well, after Louis XIV had kind of left office, we, you know, he had fought many wars. He had participated in the American Revolution. He had helped fight the Seven Years' War that was over there. And they didn't have a lot of money. So to bridge the gap, they just borrowed more money. Half of the government's income was coming from taxes that went to paying just the interest on the people that they owed. So in order to solve this, they would increase taxes and reduce expenses, or both. But the nobles and the clergy get to see, get a, a chug back from that taxes, from those taxes. They get some of it. So because they get some of it, they're like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to keep our money. This leads to an economy that just is destroyed. There's lack of food. There is poorer peasants than there were before, which for them didn't think was a problem. And then there is this thing of a failure to reform. There is Louis XV comes in. He didn't put the right man in charge to help him uh, when they ran it. And he ruled the country for almost 70 years, 60 years. He wanted more things for himself. He didn't care about you know making things better for everybody else. He wanted more lavish things for himself. So he didn't cut the expenses. The next guy who takes over his son, Louis XVI, he meant well, but he didn't ever pull the trigger on the things he needed to do. He tried to fix the problem, but 
He also proposed that we tax both the first estate and the second estate for the first time. And when he did that, he decided that he was going to call a group together that had not been together for a long time. And that is in a group called the Estates General. And this is a big meeting basically that can happen between all of the people in France, basically. If you're on the first estate, second estate, or third estate, you get to come in. The problem is, is that the first and second estate, they get one vote each, and the third estate only gets one vote. So when they try to reach out and say, listen, we're gonna make this as fair as possible, you need to do this as these riots are going on throughout the country because everybody's poor, and the KHs are, the notebooks are, reading out their problems and saying, these are the issues. As these are the issues, they say that basically we need to get all of this. Well, we need to get more taxes. Well, these more taxes never came on the rich estate or on the richer estates. So the third estate comes together and they were all elected and they come together and they agree on something called the tennis court and when they convened or you know joined back up together the their oath was that they were going to not only solve their financial crisis but they were going to insist that reform happened there needed to be a fair way of voting they fought and fought and fought and after months of this fight they will never separate and they will never meet in these circumstances until something has changed as part of the tennis court that they're going to have. While they are making these decisions, there are royal troops gathering throughout Paris spreading rumors that the, the king is going to disband this whole thing. That triggers the people of Paris. And they storm a prison called the Bastille on September 14th, or excuse me, on July 14th of 1789. They assembled out there and they started, they started their revolution. They started their revolution and, you know, Thomas Jefferson, the American guy, is there and he's talking about these hundreds of men who've reached out and they killed a commander and five guards within their, within there to release the only handful of prisoners that are in there. They thought there were weapons, but there were none. But it was a symbol. It was a symbol to start this revolution and to give freedom. From there, revolutions break out everywhere. And it was a desperate time. There was this thing called the Great Fear where everybody goes and attacks their villages and towns and people are just basically running around. No strategy to what they're going to do, but they're running around France just getting ready to destroy as much of what is there as they can. So everybody starts looking for what are we going to do if we win? As the center of the capital of Paris, there is a faction within there that they need to put somebody in charge, and his name is Marquis de Lafayette. And as they put him in charge, they kind of fight their way through this battle of making sure that France was, was going to be okay, and they're going to win. 
And they set up the first National Assembly. It didn't take them long to get their win. It didn't take them long to get what they wanted. But what they did was they announced that special privilege is gone. Special privilege basically said that if you were born to a certain group, you got certain rights that were different. That is gone. They also passed something, the Declaration of the Rights of Man. And what that is going to do is that it's going to say, it's basically the Declaration of Independence for France. It says that all men are born and remain free and equal in equal rights. They enjoy natural rights, liberty, property, security, and the resistance to oppression. They took the ideas of the American Revolution and they created their own. The only big flaw with it was that they didn't include women. But at the time, nobody was really standing up for women. So we need to understand that, that women were not the most sought after and, you know, angry group. Louis XVI obviously does not want to accept these reforms to the National Assembly. And as this is going on, his wife is going to say some kind of derogatory things about the people. And basically, they are threatening the life of Louis XVI. Eventually, as Louis XVI moved back to Paris, Paris excuse me, the reforms of the National Assembly are settled upon. The first thing is that uh, they need they need to control the church. The Assembly votes to take over and sell church lands. And that's just going to give them money. But then they also agree on a constitution. This is the French Constitution of 1791. And this is what it guaranteed the people. It gave them the right to hold a job based on talent, not based on birth. It gave citizens the right to move around the country freely. Tax-paying men had the right to choose their own elections, or excuse me, their own officials by election. Citizens to speak, publish, and write ideas without fear of government censorship. Uh, the government from making laws that get in the way of our natural rights. Citizens were taxed equally. It had a new legislative assembly and it had a new power to make laws and collect taxes. And it allowed people to gather peacefully as well. That's step one of the French Revolution. The French Revolution goes on for what feels like almost a century because different steps needed to be added each time to make sure that the French Revolution was doing what it needed to be done. On that note, we're gonna end today there. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps me if you let me know what's going on. If this sounds good, if it sounds bad, you tell me, let me know. I'm open for all criticisms. Thank you guys very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.